Welcome to the Lessons Learned Podcast. We believe that God has given us stories to bring Him glory and encourage others through their struggles. Grab a cup of coffee and join us as we discuss our stories and faith and the lessons we have learned. Do you feel like you're an extrovert or an introvert? I don't know. Wait, to replenish yourself, do you need a quiet day or do you need to be around your people? I don't I don't know. Like it could be both. Yeah. Some days I could just be by myself and I'm totally fine and I'm totally happy. Um and I feel like I have lots of energy at mm-hmm. the end of the day and then other days I get totally stir crazy if I'm by myself and I need people. So it's not <laughs> I know, which is actually I think you've asked me this so many times and I'm Probably. like because I can't categorize myself, and part of it is that I don't like to categorize myself, but I actually think that I can fall into both, yeah. depending on what I'm feeling and what I'm going through. Yeah, because really like funny. I think you're an extrovert with introvert characteristics. Oh, I do. Oh yes, I think you've told me this. Because I'm the opposite. I'm an introvert with <laughs> extrovert characteristics. I'm pretty sure uh. you're extrovert with introvert. Pretty yeah. Sure. Because you do yeah, you right. love your people so much. Yeah. Like like you just love people around. Mm-hmm. But you can have a quiet day. Yeah. But too many quiet days. Yes. You'll too many nuts. quiet days. I will go nuts. That's true. Yeah. Whereas for me, there is not enough. Yeah. There is not enough quiet days. Right. That's cool. I got snowed in one day one time when I was house sitting in Dawson. Did I tell oh you this? Y- yes, you've told me for this. Five days. <laughs> I loved it. No, that's it like amazing. a nightmare for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have bundled up and gone outside and been like, people. <laughs> yeah. I did go outside. There was no one around. Oh. Walked the dogs. Like the snow squishing under your boots. Yeah. That was amazing. So I am sitting here with my friend, Mary Nick, who I met last summer. Was it last summer? Or I don't know. I think it was, okay, I'm just going to say last summer, yeah. because it wasn't this last, like, this previous summer, the summer before that. Right, yeah. Yeah, must have been. Through a common friend, mm-hmm. and we kind of just hit it off, and had weird connections, too, but just <laughs> mainly just <laughs> hit it off, and enjoyed each other's company, regardless of those strange connections. Yeah. And um, you've kind of been, like, a good faith friend for me, mm. just kind of holding me accountable, and questioning, and challenging Mm. yeah it's been really good so we are recording the last episode of the lessons learned podcast for season one and i thought that it would be a really cool idea to share my story because Mm -hmm. i've had a lot of questions about about my story and and just i've told details throughout the podcast season yeah but people want to know the dirty Mm -hmm. and so i figured that this would be a good time for me to wrap up the season and to tell my story, and then for Mary Nick, my friend here, to be uh, the voice of the public and to ask any questions or to kind of direct the conversation any way that that she and her curiosity thought necessary. Mm-hmm. And you're very wise, <laughs> and you're very discerning, and you're very um, just you love the Lord. Mm. And so I just thought that this would be just a cool conversation. And challenging. And I'm already almost tearing up. (laughs) I love it. Uh, So I just, yeah, I thought you would be the perfect person to interview me Mm. um, as 
um, vulnerable as that makes me feel because my story is very precious. Mm-hmm. Very, everyone's story is. Yeah. Everyone's story is. But it's just this is me burying my heart and telling about my struggles. And so, yeah, it's a lot. Wow. Thank you for that amazing introduction. I did not expect that. <laughs> um, Welcome. Yeah. And throughout listening to your podcast, it's been really great hearing other people's stories. But then as you drop these little seeds of your own story, even though I know those stories, I'd be like, Katie, tell me more. <laughs> like I just become hungry for your story and to know more about you and to know how, um, I don't know, you bridge those gaps so well between the people that you're interviewing on Thank the podcast you. and just your story and how welcoming you are to them and just how um, you create a really safe environment for them to share their story in a really vulnerable way. Mm, thank um, you. So, yeah. So I'm really excited. I know. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. And I've tried to get you on the podcast to <laughs> share your own story and it hasn't worked. <laughs> so this is the only way I could do it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might get there. Oh, we'll see. Oh, we'll we see. will get there. Yeah. We're <laughs> we are going to get there eventually. It might take a few more seasons. But yeah. at some point, I think you will share your story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you know where you want to start? Well, I was just going to start by asking you to share your story, whatever outline of it or parts of it that you feel are significant and you wanted to share with your listeners. Yeah. It's crazy because I actually, I haven't thought about the whole of my story for a mm. little while. <coughs> and so then now to flush it out in detail, I'm going to, it's even just sitting here in the like the last couple minutes, I'm like, oh wow, okay, yeah, there was that. Oh wow, there was that. Mm. Like it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a heavy story. I feel like it's a heavy story, but it's also a, a victorious story, which is yeah pretty incredible and powerful story oh i I feel like it is yeah it's just crazy to remember those moments where god was so obvious and Mm -hmm. so dramatic which is my personality so Mm -hmm. (laughs) i love that about all of our stories is that god really works in the ways that he knows our character yeah and so he will work with us and anybody who knows me knows that i i love emotion I shouldn't say I love emotion I have a lot of emotion it's not that I love that I'm super emotional but Mm -hmm. I had have a lot of emotion in me I have a lot of excitement and drama and passion and so um it's it's pretty neat looking back on my story and seeing how God worked with those little characteristics within my story yeah I think those are really like you are just attentive to you Right. So when you say you have a lot of those emotions, I don't know, I would I would almost say that if you compared you with someone else, just that you're attentive. Oh. You're not you're not over emotional or over dramatic or any of those things. It's really nice to you're hear. just <laughs> yeah, you're just okay. aware because, you know, I can't like. Yeah, I just think of different people and I mm-hmm. and I think about the fact that I think that they do have a lot going on, mm. but they're not always aware or sometimes we don't know how to listen to our emotions or our heart. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're just, yeah, you're attentive. And I think God speaks to you in that way. And the Holy spirit shows mm. up in your emotions and what you're going through. And, you know, I think, 
yeah, I don't know. I almost want to say that God is a dramatic God. He goes through anything just to reach you, right? Yep. And yeah, so I feel like that's okay. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It is, it is, I can see it being really good and I know the goodness in, let's say, my emotions. Yeah. But it's so vulnerable being emotional sometimes and crying in front of people who are looking at you like, oh, I'm not crying over this. Why are you crying? <laughs> well, yeah, and it's not really encouraged in our no, culture, right, to no. be emotional. Is yeah. does It doesn't, people don't look at it and go, oh, that person is so strong. Mm. They see weakness. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that's wrong. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, hmm. I think that's wrong. Yeah, I think it would be so much nicer if all of us could be more emotional in a controlled, like somewhat controlled well, yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> Not just yeah. run around with our emotions just blaring. But yeah, yeah to be true to our emotions. Yeah. And, and to express them in a healthy way. And I think that's it when you're expressing them. So then there's like the part where sometimes we don't have words for what we feel. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's what I mean by mm -hmm. being attentive and understanding mm -hmm. your emotions. I think you need the right words to be able to say this is what I feel. And if you're not modeled that, then you're not going to think you have any or you're you're going to be really confused about them. So you won't be willing to share them. Mm -hmm. So True. anyway, let's get back okay. to your story. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going on a tangent, tangent. here. <laughs> Rabbit trail. Yeah. Okay. So my story, obviously my story starts at my birth. <laughs> But, I mean, the story that I think God has given me um, in order to encourage other people, it really starts when I, when I was married, when I first got married. Mm. And I was, so I was 21 when I first met my husband. The girls that I was working with had told me to sign up for college. And when you sign up for college, you will meet the man of your dreams. And I thought they were ridiculous. <laughs> but I signed up for college and three weeks later I met my husband at at the college no before oh. I left I met him interesting three weeks before I left for college and so how did that work so I oh yes so we have the coolest meeting story I just think it's the cutest thing mm -hmm. so we met at youth group neither of us were youth we were both in our 20s he was 22 and I was 21 at the time and we met um, at a youth group that we had both gone to. He was going for um, support for a friend um, mm -hmm. who was also going. And then they had asked me to come and consider leadership. So that's why I was going. And the youth group had a game. It was the middle of winter. It was January, northern British Columbia. So freezing cold, like minus 30 degrees Celsius outside. And we are playing a game outside in our snowsuits. It was like capture the flag. Yeah. Inner snowsuits, scarves, toques, mitts, heavy boots. Like, yeah. you do not know who the other person is when you are <laughs> dressed up awesome. like this. You don't know. And it's, like, dark. It's winter. Yeah. So it's, you know, gets dark at, like, 4 o'clock in the, in the evening. So I captured this person, and I was walking them to prison. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, him and I, this guy that I had captured, just had this great conversation in the middle of the woods hmm. and laughing and bugging each other and we ended up kind of getting lost on the way to, to the jail and and we just had this really fun 
conversation. And then we the game ended. We all go inside, take off our snow gear, and I had no idea who he was. What? Because it was dark outside and because he had these the snow gear on. Oh, so I didn't funny. know who it was. So I kind of had an idea, but really there were so many people at this youth group yeah. that I didn't know. And so I kind of had an idea who it was, but I really wasn't sure. So I ended up leaving that youth group event early and so didn't stick around for chats and didn't talk to him other than our, our little chat in, in the bush. So you had no idea. You left and you had no idea who this guy was. No, I didn't know who it was. Wow. So I had this vague idea, like I said, of what he looked like, but I didn't right. know his name or anything. So then weeks later, um, weeks as in the next summer, pretty much, oh, okay. actually. So, so this months is like January, later. so yeah. months later. I go to another church's youth group event. Mm -hmm. Not the same one, but a, a different one. And my other friend, my best friend at the time, had invited me. And I show up. And there's this guy there who I thought, I have a pretty good facial recognition. Yeah. And I was like, I'm positive this is the same guy from that youth group. And I think it's the same guy that I was chatting to outside of that youth group event. And so I just started flirting with him. And he was really cute. So, I mean, regardless of who <laughs> he was, I was going to flirt with him anyway. So <laughs> I started flirting with him. And I guess it was kind of awkward for other people because his ex-girlfriend was right there. <laughs> I didn't know. Oh. <laughs> Oopsie. Um, but him and I hit it off. And again, and it turns out it was this guy that I had ran into in the middle of the woods in this other youth group event. So did you tell him that story? And then did you no. like ask him straight up? Like no, I don't. I don't you? remember. Okay. I don't remember that. But somehow you guys figured somehow out. Somehow we just kind of knew. And I did guess. he know? I guess I don't really remember having a okay. conversation. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. So then, by the end of this youth group's event, um, I teased him and I said, "Stop by my work sometime." I'm. I was road building at the time, and I was working roller operator. You know, just going up and down this road. And it's like, a whole other part of Katie's story. Yeah. We'll get to another episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the jobs. Yeah, <laughs> the jobs. Oh, Lord. That is, that's several episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I was, I was a roller operator, so I was doing outdoor work, and I told yeah. him to just drive by and chat with me sometime. And I was, I was kidding. Like, I mean, I, I meant it, I guess, but I really didn't think that he would. Right. And he looked at me, he's like, okay. And I'm like, Really? And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll stop by. And so then a couple days later, he's I saw this car drive past, and I'm like, oh, I think, oh my gosh, I think that's him. <laughs> so he gets out, and we had this cute little chat, and the grader operator was like, who's that? That's your future husband. And I was like, Whoa. shut up, no. You know, like just, yeah. you know, laughing it off kind of thing. And um, But pretty much from that night on, um we were inseparable mm -hmm. so we ha we went to a movie like the next day with his sister or within the next couple of days with his sister and a bunch of friends and we did not stop seeing each other every night after that wow so we just and so that from the time we met until i left for college was like three weeks actually it was two weeks because he had gone for a week he had gone for a family vacation for a week so we Can't knew wait. each other for two weeks before I left for college. So you signed up for college. Mm -hmm. You met him three weeks later at the first youth no, the group? Second the second one. Okay. The second one. Okay. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, so it must have been like early August or something. Anyways, I don't know the, the whole yeah. time frame, but several weeks later. So, uh, so two weeks after, or sorry, let me rephrase that. Three weeks after we met the second time, yes. I left for college. Okay. Within that time, he left for a family vacation. So we really only had two weeks together. Wow. And within that two weeks, we had both told each other we loved each other. And we were talking about marriage. Wow. Just because we just knew. Yeah. We just knew. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, and I mean, part of me looks back at that and thinks, I knew this was a quality man. Mm-hmm. I knew I liked the characteristics I was seeing. I knew I was attracted to him physically. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I was in love with him at that time, but I knew 100% it was going there. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted, I knew that he was the kind of man that I wanted to be with. Yeah. And that I was attracted to him enough to pursue that. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. So then I left for college and I was there for one semester. Wait, where did you go? Like in Camrose, Augustana. How far from your home? um, How far from Dawson? It was like, oh, it was just past Edmonton. So it's like an eight hour, nine hour drive or something. Okay. So I I went for a semester and while we were there, he visited a few times, but basically we decided that I was going to go home because that journey was kind of pointless for me. It was more just a way to get out of Dawson for a little while rather Mm -hmm. than pursuing a career idea. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just doing something that I loved doing there, which was English and art. And although it was very enjoyable, it seemed as though it was a waste of money just because I wasn't actually pursuing something I saw myself working in as a career. So I went home and, um, and we got, so I went home just after Christmas and we got married in August. So we were, he proposed in March, I think it was March 4th. No, actually, I'm sorry, it was May 4th. Okay. He proposed on May 4th. And then in August, at the end of August, we got married. By that time, he was 23 and I was 22. Okay. So you had known each other? We had known each other. From that second encounter of actually, like, recognizing each other and knowing who you're talking to? Yeah. We had known each other for for about a a year? A year and 20 days before we got married. Wow. You also live in a small town, like you grew up in a small town. Yes. And so did you know people who knew him? Did you have that like yes reputation? And no. I, I had, we had like one friend in common. Okay. But this friend was not very, I wasn't close with this friend. I had just, I just kind of family friends-ish. Okay. And so we had never met before. I really don't remember asking people about him. It was just like, he was just suddenly there which was bizarre because it is a small town yeah and I hadn't met him before so it was quite strange so we got married in late August and then our marriage was quite good like I honestly think that we did not have that bad of a marriage there was definitely things that needed to be worked on for sure like Mm -hmm. we are as much as we respected each other I think that respect wasn't so much respect as it was glazing over issues that should have been addressed. Right. But um, you were young we also, were really so young. you didn't really know how to do that. Yeah. Right. No, I did not know how to do that. And it's kind of going back to the language thing, right? Like if you don't have words to express yourself or mm. know how to address something, then. Yeah. Or even know, you know yourself. Yeah, right. Like I, I just remember, <coughs> excuse me, I remember 
blowing up at the easiest thing. Like I had quite the temper and didn't know how to communicate. I came right. from a family who was not good at communicating. And so I'd never grown up knowing anything in relational communication other than yelling, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So that's how I communicated. If anything flared up and I needed to explain something, I was either in tears or I was yelling. And neither of us really knew ourselves well enough within the marriage to know how to deal with it. So yeah. we didn't have ourselves in the marriage. We just had the marriage and then we were kind of transformed into one mm-hmm. throughout the marriage but didn't carry out our independence into that. So that hmm. really led to a lot of issues where I, for one, felt very confined and I felt very kind of I guess controlled because I wasn't or I felt as though I wasn't allowed to have my independence the the ways that I wanted to have independence weren't encouraged I guess that's a good way to put it okay I don't know how else to put that do you want to say what what were those ways like what I mean maybe you were young and you didn't even know what they were oh well no and I think at the time I knew a couple of the things but I didn't know much and I think just looking back now I have so many more ways to describe what we were going through right whereas back then I had I didn't know right I just felt overwhelmed and Mm -hmm. I felt out of touch I guess I just felt like I wasn't wasn't I didn't know what to do right I was just feeling a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. so ways as though as in like financially so we had the same bank accounts and um, one of the ways that I felt really I felt like it was unbalanced was that he would spend money on his toys and Mm -hmm. doing what he wanted to do but yet when I would go out and try to buy something I was always I always felt guilty for it and I felt as though he made me feel guilty for it and maybe looking back now maybe that wasn't maybe it was an insecurity right um but I I do think that in some ways he he did have more of a control of the finances so he enabled himself to be able to use them more whereas he limited me from using them and that's not to say that he is an awful bad person that's just it was something you had to figure out yeah. and you just couldn't figure I mean it out. We just didn't know yeah. it and he didn't know how I was feeling about right. it and I didn't know how to communicate how I was yeah. feeling about it. Um, Can I ask something? Yes. Is, was he like, did he have a job that paid more than yours did or oh. was I that th- how I'm that was figured out? I guess it doesn't sure, really matter, I'm but I just, really <laughs> yeah, I'm a detail yeah. details person, so <laughs> I ask yeah. these questions. <laughs> That's okay. I like them. Um, I don't think that his job paid any more than mine at that time okay I think I was working a full-time job he was working full-time and he had his own business right and so I feel as though at least for the first bit of our marriage um our finances were probably around the same he could have been a little bit more but I don't think it would have been too much more so that probably contributed a little bit to how you felt though because Mm -hmm. you're thinking Yes. We both contribute yes. pretty equally here. Yeah. So how does this work? Yeah. And it just was never discussed. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it, there was little moments of discussion, but it wasn't an actual discussion. Let's sit down and talk about this yeah. because this is becoming serious. Like a business meeting. Yeah. You need to have business meetings. I feel like <laughs> yeah. you do. Yeah. Yeah. You do. <laughs> and we just never did. It was right. just like, and because I came and I'm not speaking to his family because I'm not quite sure if you would call his family very traditional or not, but 
my family is very traditional, very conservative. Mm -hmm. And so I was taught that the man is the head of the household and the woman submits to the man. And so when it came to these discussions, it was very hard for me to have these discussions because I felt as though I was out of place. I felt as though I didn't know if I should be communicating this way. And I felt as though a good Christian wife doesn't actually communicate Mm. this way. Right. So I was also limiting and the way I had grown up was also limiting me and my communication in my marriage. Right. So you kind of felt like you were stepping over this boundary that had been put there by your parents Mm -hmm. and you're kind of like, is this okay? Yeah. Can I step here? Yeah. Yeah. And because of my immaturity and, and lack of development and communication. Yeah. To overstep those places and then to try to communicate was very, in a healthy way, was just pretty much impossible. Right. So it just became arguments and fights and mm-hmm. or just, you know, sweeping it under the rug. Yeah. But, I mean, that being all said, we had a lot of fun. We had yeah. good friends. We ended up buying a little house and we didn't have kids. We didn't try for them while we were married. And... We just, or at least I felt at that time, it just wasn't where I was at. And actually, I'm glad that I didn't because (laughs) looking back now, I just, there's definitely some lessons I need to have learned before I had children. And Mm. I'm sure God would have worked it out if that was the timing that he had um, ordained. But I'm glad that I didn't have kids at that time. Yeah. Knowing who I was at that time. But yeah, we had a good marriage. We had fun. We, um, you know had good sex we we definitely tried in a lot of ways to have a good marriage yeah but I think because of our lack of maturity a lot of the issues that needed to be addressed were swept under the rug and just Mm -hmm. built up and built up and built up Mm -hmm. until about year four four and a half where I basically had a breakdown and I became just so depressed and so overwhelmed with life mm-hmm. that I was laying on the couch crying and I was, I was just had no energy and mm-hmm. I was, I was depressed. And I, um, my husband asked me at that time, he asked me if I was depressed and he's like, you know, asked me if I thought I was depressed. And I'm right. like, no, like depression, this is not depression. Like depression <laughs> is so much worse than this. Like this yeah. is not what it is. And looking back now, absolutely. I was, that was yeah. a, a level of depression and, we did end up going for help. We went for counseling, mm-hmm. which was good. My husband forced me into going to counseling, and I I did not want to go, and I was so angry. Yeah. But I was talking about divorce, and, um, and he was very scared that our marriage would end in divorce. Mm-hmm. And so he it was around Christmas time and he forced me to go to counseling with him. Mm-hmm. And, and I, we went to counseling in a town that was an about an hour and a half away. So the whole drive there, I was shaking. I was uh, so angry. Yeah. And so just, I knew what was coming. I knew in my mind that she was going to tell me that I was a horrible wife and I was a horrible Christian mm-hmm. woman and I should be doing this and I shouldn't be doing that. And I shouldn't be feeling this. Right. But that wasn't the truth. And when I got there, I was so I was so relieved to talk to somebody who understood me, mm-hmm. who could voice what I was feeling and put it into words. And I was just blown away by, by the counseling. Yeah. I was just, I was blown away by it. I was so happy that I had gone because it just helped me see that I wasn't alone and mm-hmm. that I, I was understood. Yeah. I was being heard. And so we went to a few counseling sessions 
and I think honestly I don't think we went to any more than six Okay. And it started feeling better, so then we stopped going. And we thought, oh, okay, well, this <laughs> stage of life is over. That's nice. Yeah. And things, you know, things started getting better. Like Christmas mm-hmm. was awkward as heck with his family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually with mine, too, I, I can't remember. I think one of those times either I didn't go to his parents or he didn't come to mine for a Christmas celebration thing. And it was just, I remember it just being very awkward. Mm. But we got through that stage and it felt better and the next yeah. year seemed to be better until about a year later about the same time yeah and i just started slowly sliding back into this depression and um it wasn't quite as bad as the time before as in as emotional it wasn't quite as bad emotionally as the time before but I think my heart was just hardening. I think that's the only mm. change is that my heart was just hardening. And um, I, my husband could sense it and he's, he's a very discerning man and I, and I should have listened to him in a couple different areas, but I didn't. And I just, so when you say your heart is hardening mm. towards him, towards him towards and towards Lord? just the struggle of, of life where I was just okay. like, I was just, Done. Oh, well, if this is how I'm going to feel, then I'm out. Like right. there was no, the emotions weren't attached anymore. It was more of a numbness. Right. And it was more just like, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. Like, I'm not even going to go through the emotions anymore. I'm just done. And how was your relationship with the Lord at that time? That's a really great question. It was pretty. Okay. So I was born in a Christian family and yeah. I became a Christian when I was five. And so and I'd gone to church my whole life, mm-hmm. gone to youth group, gone to college and career group, continued to go to church as we were married. Yeah. Um, but it was never anything personal for me. Mm-hmm. I always heard of people like being passionate for the Lord or being in love with the Lord. And I thought they were a joke. <laughs> I thought it was just like, that's ridiculous. Like they are just over the top and you just, that's not how it is. That's not yeah. how your religion or your faith is. Yeah. And you never just thought. Oh, maybe there's more. No. You were just kind of like, no. that's a whole other category yeah. of freakishness. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly was like, uh, I never, I just don't want to go there because they, they're yeah. just weird. And so it never became personal for me. My husband tried to get us to read the Bible, you know, at night or in the morning with each other. And I just mm-hmm. never got into it. I honestly ended up falling asleep half the time. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't a personal thing. I didn't read the Bible daily. Mm-hmm. I went to church, um, you know, as often as we could on Sundays, but really it was more out of obligation than it was desire. Right. And, and so my, my relationship with the Lord was pretty much bare minimum mm-hmm. because I figured it was just God. He was there. He created us. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to him when I need him or when I'm thankful. And that's about it. Yeah. So. Um, like I said, my husband was very discerning and when a company I was working with was offering a trip to Vegas as training, I decided that I wanted to go and it was the second year of going and there was no partying. It was just training. Yeah. It was like four days or something like that in Vegas of intense training and sure there was like a nice big event at the end of the thing, but it wasn't like a drunken party. Right. It was just the girls having yeah. fun and you were with your girls. It yeah. was no big deal. 
So I decided I wanted to go and my husband said, I don't want you going. Mm -hmm. I feel like this isn't smart. You know, we're not doing good. So I just don't see that Vegas would be a good idea. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Everything's fine. I need a getaway. I need to just have some fun and let loose. Um, and I'll, and I'm coming back. So, you know, it's totally fine. And so we went down there. I think, you know, there's a few girls with our team that went. And on the last day, one of the young girls was like, hey, let's go out and have a few drinks after training. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure. No one else really wanted to come. And it was just me and her. And I just thought, I've never actually seen the fun part of Vegas. So right. let's just do some wandering and see what we can see. Mm-hmm. And we went to a couple pubs. We literally had only a couple drinks. Um, but we met up with this group of people down there. And there was two, I think there was only two guys and a girl. And one of the guys um, started hitting on me throughout the night and then obviously got progressively drunker. And by the end of the night, um, he asked me to go to his room with him. Mm-hmm. And and I said no. Um, but the temptation was so overwhelming that it just put up a huge red flag for me as to where I was in my marriage right. that that temptation would be so dominant. Mm-hmm. And so I said no, and there wasn't, as you know, as far as I can remember, there was no physical touch between us. It was mm-hmm. just like flirtation for the whole night, and it just felt good. It felt good to flirt. Um, and, yeah, and I, I had actually removed my wedding ring for the weekend because I felt as though the pressure of feeling like I was married was overwhelming for me, and I wanted yeah. to kind of just get from under the rock that I felt like it was. Right. And I, f- I honestly don't know. I, f- I feel as though he knew I was married. This guy knew I was married. Okay. But anyways, he, uh, I said no. We went right. to, we went back to our room and, but I just couldn't, um, me, sorry, let me clarify. Yeah. <laughs> me and this girl um, yes. went back to our team's room. <laughs> yeah. And we left like within the next few hours. I think we got back in the room at like 4 a.m. And our flight was like, we had to be at the airport at 7. So right. We got on the plane and I just this guy I sat beside a guy and I unloaded my marital issues onto this guy yeah (laughs) did he look like an expert or what no no he did not (laughs) 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 he He was bald maybe that helped wisdom there yeah (laughs) but yeah I just started venting to him about everything that I was struggling with and the Mm. events of the previous night and this guy by the end of the flight looked at me and he's like you know what you need to do you just need to work up the courage to do it and I thought yeah he's right I need to tell my husband that I'm leaving Mm. and so I got home and um I was just i I remember meeting my husband at the airport and I was just so cold. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't barely touch him. Maybe we hugged, but there was just no emotion behind it. And we drove home and I knew that he knew something was wrong. And I was just like, not present. I just was not there. Like you were already gone. Oh yeah. My mind was just so checked out. Mm -hmm. And so we got home and I think, I mean, I don't know what happened in the next week. I, most likely went back to work or I was working from home at the time. I can't really remember. Um, but within that week, I just was feeling so oppressed mm-hmm. that I'm like, I need to get out of town. And so I told my husband I was going to visit my sister in Calgary and a friend in Edmonton. 
and of course he didn't see why I needed to get out of town when I just had a trip right, away. Yeah. But I just was, I was overwhelmed with just the sense of responsibility and just all these confusing thoughts yeah. and trying to work it out. I just did not, I, I felt like my chest, I felt like I could barely breathe. Like I could barely, I could barely breathe. I could, um, I just didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I should do. I didn't know what I should be feeling. I didn't know how to work out what I was feeling. Right. Um, and so leaving seemed like the only option yes, yeah. to get, to, get to make some change. Well, and to get clarity at that right. point, just to feel like, to, like I could take a breath. Right. So I left for two weeks. Um, I went down to Edmonton, stayed with a friend for a week and then stayed with my sister for a week. Mm -hmm. And within that time, of course, my husband was freaking out and calling me and texting me and wanting me to come home. And I just was not feeling like I was any closer to anything right and or any closer to where I thought I should be to be a good wife to be a good wife right um but what I was closer in going to Calgary what I was closer to was finding an apartment <laughs> right and I you know I did want to kind of assess the situation when I was down there um but I ended up just looking for places to live and yeah. and roommates and whatever else it was so I found a place to live while I was down there mm -hmm. I did not find a job but I was only looking for a place to live and by the time I went home two weeks later I, I knew that I was moving to Calgary right so I got home and it took me a couple of days to work up the courage to tell him right. but basically a week later I was packed and and driving out of the driveway and moving to my new life in Calgary. So had you told him that you wanted a divorce at this point or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did. Mm. Yeah. And of course he was, he was heartbroken, but also there was, um, I think he was a bit relieved as well because mm. it was such an emotional battle for both of us. Yeah. And he was, he was struggling and trying to make it work and trying to help me and lift me up. And mm -hmm. it was a lot of work. It was basically impossible by that right. point. And so I think that although it was hard for him to hear, it was also like, maybe this will just, maybe this is, you know, will bring us both peace in some right. way. Relief. Because mm -hmm. essentially, if I just go off of what you said here and the stories you've told me before, mm -hmm. it was like he was, he was in a marriage where he was trying to play both parts a little bit because mm -hmm. he wasn't necessarily, you know, you're saying you're on the couch crying. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he has a role as a husband, but to who, mm -hmm. right? And you're saying you don't know who you are. Like, that's so, yeah, that would be so hard. It, I, yeah, it would have been so hard. And I think half our problem was that we were both trying to support each other. Oh, okay. So we didn't know, we didn't have a deep enough faith in the Lord to know that he would support our spouse mm -hmm. when we couldn't. Um, but... Mm. I, we also didn't have a confidence in ourselves right. even. So that's part of the overwhelming feelings of being overwhelmed that I was feeling within our marriage was mm -hmm. that I was trying to support him and, and um, lift him up and like um, be the perfect wife. And right. he was trying to emotionally support me and we were just leaning on each other without okay. having God in the in-between. Right. And it was, we were both exhausted mm -hmm. from doing that battle because... Yeah you just you can only support each other so much mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so I moved to Calgary and I just kind of went, I call it my rebel years. <laughs> I, um, I just went and did whatever I wanted. And how many years were you there for? I was there for two in okay. total. But the first, I just went hog wild from the moment basically my foot touched the city limits. <laughs> and I, so I moved into this place. I had a few roommates. I just ended up getting a job and I thought I got a job right away. I, it was the best paying job I'd ever had. Mm -hmm. I met friends. I had a good social life. I started dating and it was just, I felt like a million bucks and I felt mm. like this huge weight was lifted from my shoulders. I felt happy. I felt carefree. I felt like I was independent and I felt good. And if mm. anyone had said, how are you doing? Which many people did from my hometown. They're like, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm so happy. Like, mm. oh my gosh, I'm so happy. I've never felt like this before. And, right. and, um, and it was true, but then it was only true to a certain extent because I would yeah. go home at night and I'd go home alone and I'd lay in my bed and I had literally nothing to my name except for my dog. Mm -hmm. And I just felt so empty. Hmm. Like I just felt like, is this it? Like, okay, I'm doing everything I wanted to do. I have everything right. that I wanted to have, but mm -hmm. is this it? And so after a few months I had, I went home for, I think it was Thanksgiving and I had a breakdown driving out of my hometown and driving back to Calgary at the end of the weekend and I just could not stop crying and so I thought okay well I'll give myself some time to process this it's a nine-hour drive yeah so after about four hours of like bawling my face off like racking mm. sobs I thought no okay this is clearly not passing I need to call someone right and so I called my husband and I left a message. He didn't answer, but I left a message and I just said, if you get this or when you get this, can you call me? And he called me on still on the drive. And basically, long story short, from that one, we started, we kind of, we chatted on the phone and we started dating long distance for a little while. Oh, wow. But because none, neither of us had done any actual work on ourselves, mm -hmm. we had just had space and expected it to change us, nothing changed. And right. so the feelings of overwhelm and expectation and um, heavy responsibility were still there really quickly after. Right. And um, even, you know, even with that distant, like mm -hmm. that long distance relationship. Yes. And that's, you know, mm -hmm. at fault of his. And at fault of mine, mm -hmm. you know, neither of us, like I said, had worked on ourselves, but also he was putting a lot of pressure on me to suddenly change my life. Like there was a lot about that life that I did appreciate and saw the positive in, um, and that I knew I couldn't find in Dawson. And so I didn't want to move back to Dawson. Right. I wanted to try a new life, getting away from town, starting over and being ourselves and getting away from, you know just who we had been before and starting fresh. Right. And, and a location, a change of location seemed like a good idea for yes. that. Yeah. yeah. And he just didn't see the point in mm -hmm. that. Um, and which, I mean, fine, totally fine. You start dating a wife that just left you at the, you know, blink of an eye. And now she's asking you to drop your business and drop your family yeah. and sell your home, move to a new city. Yes, absolutely. There should be some hesitation, but it would have been nice if there had been some compromise there or at least some, some discussion about right. the possibility of that being in the future. So how old were you at this point? Mm, I don't 
I was probably, I would say like 28, 27, okay. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something around there. So we started dating again. Mm-hmm. We dated for maybe three months and then I ended up breaking it off again because it was just the same old thing right. over again. All the, the feelings of heaviness, um, all the the tough stuff was mm-hmm. still there. Nothing had changed. He hadn't changed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at that point, I just was looking at him saying he hadn't changed. But looking back now, I hadn't changed either. And right. I hadn't been working on myself one bit. Yeah. Although I was going to counseling, I wasn't addressing these things that needed to be addressed. So we broke it off and another year and a half went by of me living my wild and very promiscuous and, um, you know, very drunken life. Mm-hmm. I was partying every single weekend. I was getting drunk with friends. I was having one night stands. I was, um, there was a couple guys that I had dated within that time and it was instant sexual relationships mm-hmm. and, you know, with no depth whatsoever. And, um, it was not good. It was not good. And, uh, so yeah, I've, I just lived a wild life for two years. Yeah. And I had told my husband right before I left, he had asked me, he's like, are you going to date right away? And I said, no, I don't think so. I said, if I don't date for two years, I'll be happy. Like, that's fine with me. Yeah. And, and then within that conversation, he said, well, what are you looking for? Like, what kind of guy do you even want? Mm. And I described this guy to him, to my husband, (laughs) which is like, this is just showing where I was at. I had no care for him whatsoever. Right. My heart was so hard. Mm -hmm. I had, there was no gentleness. There was no caring. Mm -hmm. There was no love. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not that I did not love him. I was just at a place where my heart was so hard that I had, I saw nothing else but myself. Right. Nothing else but the very thing that only I was going through at that point. Mm-hmm. And so I had no care for anybody else around me. Hmm. And um, and so, like I said, I described this man to my husband. And so two years after living within my rebel lifestyle, mm-hmm. I met a man who fit this ideal description. Yeah. And I started dating him. And when I came home for Easter weekend, I had been dating this guy for a few months. Him and I were talking about having kids. Um, we had looked at wedding rings. Mm. And and I pretty much knew that when I went home, we'd end up moving in together. Like that was just where we were headed. It was just financially an easier choice. Than so this guy lived in Calgary. Yeah, you live just outside of Calgary, but yes. Okay, and so when you're saying home, you're now calling Calgary home. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I had gone to the farm, my family farm, my hometown for Easter weekend. Yeah. Um, And I had had tried to touch base with my husband at that point because I wanted to see my dog and there was no response from him. And so it just, it was just an emotional weekend for me. Every Mm -hmm. weekend that I went home was emotional. It was, I ended up, I ended up getting sick. Mm -hmm. Um, Every single time I came home from my Mm -hmm. hometown, I would, I would get sick. I would have this, you know, fever, cold. It was just the stress and anxiety of going home and having to actually confront um, those things was, was actually making me sick. Yeah. But being home this Easter weekend... 
I went to visit one of my friends, one of my best friends. I've been friends with her since grade eight. I was in grade nine. She was in grade eight. And she said to me, we were just chatting, you know, about life and whatever. She's like, how are you? You know, are you dating anybody? What's he like? And I'm like, I'm so happy. Like I'm dating this guy. He's so wonderful. And, Mm. and she's like, oh, that's so good. That's so good. And she's, and then for some reason she's like, Katie, if your husband asked for a second chance, (laughs) (laughs) she's like, Katie, if your husband asked for a second chance, would you say yes? And I was like, no, no. Mm. And of course I started to cry. And I thought, well, why am I crying? Mm -hmm. I said, I'm, I'm like, or in my mind, I'm saying this to myself. And I just was like, why am I crying? Like, I'm happy. I'm with this guy. Mm -hmm. I, I. I'm not affected by my husband or thoughts of my husband anymore. Like, why is this bringing up emotion? Mm -hmm. And I didn't really, we didn't talk about it any more than that. It was just that quick question, a little bit of tears, and that was about it. Yeah. And I left her house and I thought, oh, while I'm in town, because my parents live out of town. So I thought, while I'm in town, I'll just go to this shop and I'll visit my other friend who I haven't seen in two years because I cut all my good friends out, all my friends that were followers of Christ all my friends held me responsible or, um, you know, asked the intense good questions. Yeah. I shoved them all out of my life because right. I, I didn't want to deal with what they had yeah, and what they were calling me to. And you, yeah, exactly. You didn't want to be held accountable. No. Right. And so you got to push those people away if you don't want that. Yeah, exactly. You got to block them out if you don't want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I went down to her store and she was in the back and oh, <laughs> I love this story. Oh. So she was in the back and she was actually in the washroom. So I stood there in the back and she came out and she's like shocked to mm. see me. Cause she hasn't seen me or basically even heard from me for two years. Yeah. And she's like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing here? And we like, gave each other a huge hug and cried but within minutes within minutes Mm -hmm. I was like oh my goodness what am I doing why am I living this life like who am I and why have I suddenly made these choices like I've got to break up with my boyfriend I've got to ask my husband for another chance Mm. and we're standing in the back of her store having this emotional breakdown Mm -hmm. where I'm like sobbing my eyes out and this is what I call my Damascus Road experience yeah. because it was like it was like those steps of obedience and ac- and realization yeah brought me out of a physical fog yeah I looked around in those moments and I actually could see clearly mm-hmm. I could see color more vibrantly mm. I could I felt as though the scales were not a spiritual analogy like it actually was something that had been covering my eyes yeah and that had fallen to the floor mm-hmm. just within moments of of god saying this is it this is the time this is yeah. when she realizes it hmm. so we're she we're just standing there and my friend's just blown away and she's like okay all right okay because this is what they've prayed for everybody oh, had wow. prayed for this moment they had been praying for Katie mm. to to 
snap out of it yeah. <laughs> and to come to her senses and to come back to the Lord and and to return to her marriage. Everyone yeah. had been praying for this. Wow. But a lot of people had stopped praying for it mm. quite a while before it actually happened. And so we decided to go for it. I had to leave her because she was working. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I like, you know, puffy eyed, red eyed, walked out of the store and yeah. drove away. And I just thought, okay, I'll come. I told her, I said, I'll meet you tonight and we'll just go for a walk and I'll just kind of like, whatever this is, I'll just talk it out. Right. And I wasn't committing to anything at that point. I was just like, this is how I'm feeling. This is, um, this is what I'm going through. I just need to verbally process this with somebody like it wasn't a big deal it wasn't something that was gonna kind of change the course of your yeah. life it was just this moment of extreme I, emotion and yeah. were you able to did it somehow relate to how you felt when you were with your husband in that kind of you know how you said you were laying on the couch mm-hmm. and just crying Mm-mm. it no, didn't remind it you was of that a, at all no it was a positive it was positive emotion it was positive oh, tears good. it was it wasn't tears of like attack or depression or guilt. It yeah. was like God was showing me what I had done and what I had left in my wake, the damage I had left in my wake, but mm. not to overwhelm me with guilt, but to show me that I needed to start making changes. Yeah. And this is not what he wanted for me. And he did it. Although it was emotional, it was gentle and mm. it was sudden, but it was loving like yeah. it was, it was, I just, there's, I have no words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it was a God moment mm-hmm. and that is the only way I can describe it because it was intense and sudden. Mm-hmm. And so me processing this with her was not like, oh, I've got to change my life. I've got to, I've got to go and tell my husband right now I need a second chance. It was like, uh, should I, or is this just a moment where I'm making good changes right or or should I actually tell him that I want a second chance Mm. and it was just me processing those thoughts right and you were almost were you second guessing yourself like yeah yeah so you were kind of almost asking yourself if you could even follow through with these things because you've been living this completely different lifestyle well I had a boyfriend I love too and I'm like oh my gosh, what's going on? Like, how would I ever tell him? And, and if I was to do this stuff, like I love Calgary, I still want to live in Calgary, but we tried that before. So if I do ask for a second chance, what's going to happen? And will he even respond? Mm -hmm. Because he wasn't, uh, he wasn't being very nice to me. Mm. He wasn't responding to emails that I would send or text messages I would send. And when I, when he did respond, it was very sharp and Mm -hmm. very just, just quick answers right and so I was like well even if I did want this I don't even know if he'll respond like he why would he want this crazy ex-wife comes back and suddenly he's supposed to be okay yeah right so so that was one of the first days that I was back in my hometown for Easter weekend and I I gave it a day or two I want to say two days and then I was, no, it must have been two days because that must have been Friday. So I was sitting in church mm-hmm. on Saturday. Oh, no, maybe I wasn't sitting. Because it was Easter weekend, there was a lot of services happening in church. Right. So I, at some point during the weekend, right. I believe it was Saturday, I was sitting in church with the family. Mm-hmm. And they were all singing 
and everyone's singing and I'm I just sat down because I'm like I can't do this I've got so much on my mind trying to process all this stuff I'm so overwhelmed with Mm -hmm. with all these thoughts I don't know what to do so I started writing and I just wrote a note in my phone and I wrote a note to my husband and Mm -hmm. I just said here's what I'm going through here's what I'm thinking I'm and I apologized for how I had wronged him Mm -hmm. and I had just said God's done an incredible thing in my life this weekend yeah and I just I believe that I we need to give it another chance and I believe that's what God is asking me to do yeah and um I asked him to forgive me and and all these things but I only wrote it as a note in my phone because I thought I don't know if I'm actually going to send this but I need to get this off my head yeah so I let that kind of simmer for a little bit and then the next morning Sunday morning I sent it to him because I thought nope this is uh, this is too heavy on my heart. If I if I don't send this, I will regret it for the rest right. of my life. Mm-hmm. I need to send this. So I sent it, and then um, either that afternoon or the next day, my sister and I left for Calgary for home, and I hadn't heard back from him. Mm-hmm. But his sister and I had been in contact that weekend, and she had told me, and I had told her, look, I'm having doubts. I'm kind of thinking about writing him, and she had kind of reamed me out because she's like he's fine you should yeah. leave him alone basically right and she did tell me within those texts too that um and this is after i sent the letter she told me she's like he actually proposed to his girlfriend last night and so he was then engaged wow so the night before i had sent the letter he had proposed to his girlfriend and he mm. was engaged yeah so I didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> so this was how many years after your divorce? This is like two years. Two years after our the beginning of our separation. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And then our divorce, because you're in Canada, you have to be um, separated for a year legally before you can actually do your divorce. Mm-hmm. So it was probably technically around like a few months after our actual divorce. Oh, wow. Maybe six months after our actual divorce. I don't even think it was that long. Okay. But it was two years after I had left. Yeah. So I had left in March, March 1st. I had moved to Calgary. Mm -hmm. And then this reconciliation of my heart Mm -hmm. had happened Easter weekend. Mm -hmm. So it was almost exactly two years. Wow. Almost exactly. So I went back to Calgary Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I don't know what to do with all this information because right. I feel as though God has asked me to do something and now my husband's engaged. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so, so was your boyfriend at the time, was he a Christian? Like, could you explain was, no. these things to him? How no, does that that's work? No, a good little dynamic of the story. No, he wasn't a Christian. Um, he was definitely not a Christian and there was a lot of red flags there that Katie should not have been involved with. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was, he had been involved with the bikers. Okay. And, um, and one of the big red flags was that he was saying, you know, if we ever got short on cash that he would go and do that kind of work again. And I was saying, um, no, yeah, if right. you do that, I am taking our children and leaving. Right. <laughs> Cause I'm not putting them in that danger. And, um, anyways, that was a big red flag. So during the weekend, as I'm having these thoughts and writing my husband, Mm -hmm. I had broken up with my boyfriend. Okay. Pretty much the next day after my Damascus road experience, I had 
phoned him and just said, I'm really struggling. I don't think I can continue this. Hmm. And he was thrown for a total loop. Yeah. And was questioning everything and very sad, very frustrated and venting to me. And he wasn't, he was doing it in a way where he thought he was being constructive as in helping his side. But really he was actually sending me articles that were supporting the belief in marriage that I was now coming to. (laughs) Right. So he was sending me faith-based Christian articles about marriage. Wow. Thinking this will help her know that it's over. And I was reading these going, these actually help me know I should be waiting for my husband to come home. (laughs) So it was really bizarre. So he really didn't get it. Oh, he had no, he really, really (laughs) didn't get it. No. But I think that God was, was really working with his involvement in the story to help convince me that I needed to, to, um, to ask my husband for a second chance. Right. Mm -hmm. So I went back to Calgary and I felt like God gave me a list of things to do, Mm -hmm. um, when I back, went back to Calgary and I wish that I had looked these things up because there was a list of five and I've journaled about them, Hmm. but, um, they were like volunteering, Mm -hmm. um, starting to go to a Bible study, consistently going to church. And there was a couple more and I can't remember what they were. Like reading your Bible every day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might've been one. Although for me at that point, it was like I was this sponge that right. was just dying for yeah. the water that God had to offer mm. me. Like I, nothing could satisfy that craving. I just, I was reading book after book and opening yeah. the Bible as often as I could throughout the day and praying constantly mm. and just, I was dying for the presence of the Lord. And it was, yeah. I never thought that sort of desire for God was possible i thought people made that up like i said before i thought only the freaks yeah right (laughs) so you loved god this much and for me it was like i was just in it and i was seeing how much he had cradled me throughout the process and when i first came back to god i had this vision of uh, i had this vision of this gentle warrior i would call him Mm. and he was like so tall and he was standing beside me and he was in full armor but he was gentle Mm. so gentle and and I just felt like God was like that was him throughout my wandering yeah and he was guarding me and present in everything Mm -hmm. but he was still allowing things to happen to me so that I could see that whatever I wanted whatever I was pursuing was nothing at all what I actually needed right and so there was just this gentle, loving giant following me throughout these two years. Hmm. And it was just wonderful and heartbreaking. Heartbreaking to know that my Savior had been beside me hmm. the entire time. As I was having one night stands mm-hmm. and as I was partying and as I was dressing super slutty. And he had just been there the whole time and he had still loved me the whole time. Yeah, But he had let that stuff happen so that I could learn what I needed to learn. Hmm. Does that make you angry sometimes? Like I think about this guy in armor and I'm like, okay, so you could have stood there and like fended off the (laughs) red flags that I didn't listen to or. I, it it doesn't make me angry one bit because Mm -hmm. I know my personality and I Mm -hmm. know that I have to kind of dive in head first. Yeah. 
in order to learn my lesson really well. Mm. My mom's always said that about me. Like, I always have to learn the hard way. And it's true, and it's just part of my personality. And unfortunately, mm. that means causing a lot of hurt sometimes, or that means making a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. But when I learn my lesson, I typically learn my lesson. Right. <laughs> like, I... I need to experience it in order to know for sure that I shouldn't do it or mm-hmm. or I should do it. You know? Right. So after I got home, um, back to Calgary, sorry, I just felt like I was just supposed to live life. I was just supposed to live. Um, I was supposed to, f- you know, fall in love with God mm-hmm. and put my efforts into my relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And 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 I did. I did 100%. Like, I just followed him and did whatever he wanted me to do because I knew what it was like to not do those things. And mm-hmm. the cost just wasn't worth it. So whatever he wanted me to do, I was just doing it because mm-hmm. I just knew that not doing it was too heartbreaking and too damaging and too pointless <laughs> to not do. Yeah. So, um... I really, I admire your clarity in this part of your story because you're talking about how like you were just walking in that obedience and um, just the amount that that would strengthen your faith, mm-hmm. but but also the clarity of how you heard God speaking these things to you. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah. that's really powerful. That's really amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, it's only God because mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, I'm not saying that as a pat answer or a cliche kind of thing, right. but I just, my heart was so far from it mm-hmm. that even my mom was like, no, she's gone. Like this is, mm. she's done. There's no hope. Yeah. And, um, and so in order for me to really truly feel it to the point where it's like, nope, I'm doing it it just shows the power of God Yeah. because my, I was so far gone. I was so far gone. Yeah. So yeah, I lived, I went back to Calgary and I lived there for, um, another few months. And then I had this trip to Peru planned Hmm. and I went to climb to Machu Picchu with a group of friends. We did the Inca trail, which was unbelievable. Oh, it was amazing. I would do that hike all over again. But it was kind of interesting for me because it wasn't a fun, it was super fun trip. I loved my trip, but it was more like moments. I felt like God wanted those moments with me yeah. for me to be out of my life, out of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. away from my typical influence mm-hmm. um, and just to have him and I moments. So the hike was seven days and I had, um, I had my own tent. And so mm-hmm. every night I would put on my headlamp and open my little Bible and do my um, journaling and just praying and talking to God. Yeah. And it was amazing. I had felt like God was asking me to move back to my hometown. But I thought, well, that A, can be construed to being controlling because I'm trying to be in front of my husband and trying to push myself on him. Um, And B, I just didn't know if it was God's voice saying that or if it was just my desire to move the story forward a bit. Right. And so I, I told, or I told God, um, when I was journaling one night on the Inca Trail, we were on a mountaintop, <laughs> and I, r- I wrote on my jur- in my journal, and I said, Lord, I feel like I'm Jonah, and I'm wa- walking in the opposite direction of your will, mm. but I need you to make it clear if this is what you want, because this is a huge step for me, and right. so I need to know that it's your step and not my step. Mm-hmm. 
and we got down from the mountain within the next day Mm -hmm. and we got to the hotel and I collected my emails on my phone and there was an email from this uh, ministry that I got daily emails or devotionals from and it said the title of the email was God said go and Jonah said no oh wow and I thought well that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> the number of stories they could have, yes, that could have been about. Of yeah. anyone to pop up. Yeah. Right? At the top. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, oh my gosh, wow, okay. So then we got on the bus and I was listening to, I put in my music mm-hmm. and I'm listening to this, you know, my music, my country music and and one song, it's by Diamond Rio, which is one of my favorite bands, and their song, Meet Me in the Middle, it's about a guy and a girl and how they, how they meet in the middle. Yeah. And they both compromised. But yeah. They made it work. And I thought, well, that's, wow, that's pretty applicable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. And so then I really felt like God was prompting me to, to switch over to my iPod instead of the music on my phone Mm -hmm. and I thought well that's just dumb God doesn't care what I listen to (laughs) (laughs) and so I just was like no 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 and I'm just putting it off listening to my phone and and then I just it was so obvious that God wanted me to switch over to my iPod so I did I thought well this is just stupid but I mean who cares really so I switched over to my iPod and I switched to um, Beth Moore's Esther study and I switched to where I thought I was within all those episodes of her Esther study. Mm-hmm. And the point that I started listening to it says, she says, God might be asking you to do something that seems like it doesn't make any sense. Hmm. But one day you're going to look back and you're going to see how every piece of the puzzle fit together. Yeah. And I, I just turned it off because I was like, okay, all right. So I'm moving home. Right. (laughs) Like, I guess I've got to do this because I mean, all of these things, when God confirms things in me, he confirms things in threes. Okay. And so that was three things that was confirmation. So I got off the bus, um, at our next stop, I emailed my mom and I said, would you mind if I moved back to the farm? Like with them? Yeah. Because that was my only option at that point. Yeah. And (laughs) I got an email back within like seconds. And she's like, oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) She's and I could tell by how she was typing. She's like crying. Hmm. And she's like, yes, please. We've been praying for this. And so Hmm. I wrote her back and I'm like, mom, are you crying? And she's like, no. (laughs) 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 No, ha ha. And so she, um, I emailed my boss and I said, I'm, this is giving my two weeks. I will be home for, um, in one week and then, you know, I'll work the next week if you need me, but I, I am going to be leaving. Yeah. And I emailed my landlord and said, um, if you wouldn't mind, please take my damage deposit as my last month's rent. I'll be moving out ASAP. Yeah. And I've decided to move home. So that was that. I moved. I went back to Calgary after our trip, and I packed everything. Lived with my sister for a few days. My brother and my dad came down to help me pack things up and move home. And I wow. moved back to to Dawson. And the journey since then has been quite rocky. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, God has really shown Himself throughout everything, and just really been 
teaching me where to go and and what jobs to take and and that sort of thing and I've I've listened to his voice more than I ever have before mm-hmm. although it's you know you settle into reality as well mm-hmm. God is reality but you know what I mean like you settle like into normalcy so you're saying with all these routines that you had established mm-hmm. in that really precious time mm-hmm. where you were just obeying mm-hmm. and just kind of waiting for God to say, okay, go here now, mm-hmm. now do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of like a, I would call it like a greenhouse kind of yes. time or season yeah, with him yeah. um, of just growth and focus. Uh-huh. And then you're talking about coming into back home yeah family dynamics are at play now it's mm-hmm. not just you in your house That's and right. and focusing on god yeah. without any distraction yeah i feel as though i did like there was still an intensity to focusing on god at that point there okay. absolutely was it just it just was different okay so there was it was still i still saw god answering prayer after mm-hmm. prayer after prayer in ways that i never thought were possible mm-hmm. And my finances were at a complete bare minimum at that point. Yeah. And so God just continually showed me that he would provide for my needs. And all I needed to do was lean on him. There Mm -hmm. were times where I was completely out of food and I would have to pray for groceries and someone would pop by with groceries or with a gift certificate or with something for me. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I just think in those moments when we're just like, I have no other way to get this Mm -hmm. other than to lean on him. And he calls us to dependence, right? Um, And so just that's an awesome story about that. As hard as those moments were, like Mm -hmm. I kind of thrived on them because I'm like, God, my, my life is, there is nothing to it right now. Like I have nothing. Mm -hmm. I have nothing. Like I had an income, but it was bare minimum. I was barely paying the bills. Yeah. Um, and God was just like, I will give you what you need. And he did. And it was amazing. It was amazing to watch happen. Mm. And I was okay with living a rough bare minimum life right? and scraping by because I knew that I was seeing miracles that wouldn't, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have seen otherwise. Yeah. And so I was very grateful for those moments. And you were kind of in that sense, you were living a rich life, right? Because you could see and your values were kind of aligned with Christ's and and I had no other distractions yeah, right. I didn't have the distractions of of the more money coming in mm-hmm. or you know a more um I guess worldly full life right. I had just it was just me and God and my communication with him yeah no and luxuries kind of thing yeah no yeah. luxuries it was it was amazing yeah it really was so you're living back home. Mm-hmm. You are in your parents' house. I was in my parents' house for about six months, and then I ended up okay. moving out. Um, mm-hmm. And a family friend provided a very cheap accommodation for me afterwards. Okay. And then life just flowed from there. And I mean, there has been there has been mistakes, many mistakes made since then, and kind of falling back into old life patterns mm-hmm. at some points. But I think because of the lesson that I learned, it's a very quick uptake from there. Right. Where it's like, okay, I see this coming. Mm-hmm. I either need to change some things in my routine, in my life, right. in my habits right now before it 
actually falls on me mm-hmm. or I need or if I uh, fall into those bad habits, I need to correct it right now because this is just going to keep on going and I'm not mm. going to be able to recover from this. And I don't want to be the person that I was before. Yeah. Yeah. So I th- I don't really know where to end this story because it feels yeah. as though the story is really continuing. Right. As everyone's story does continue, right? Mm-hmm. I do, I mean, this, my story has given me such a passion for the Lord, mm-hmm. such a passion for marriage, yeah. such a passion for relationships, um, and life after divorce and helping right, people yeah. in the struggle with life after divorce. I think that the church doesn't preach about it enough. I think yeah. that people don't acknowledge the struggle enough. Mm-hmm. I think that too many people think that it's okay and easy and, and and as long as you're happy <laughs> mm. like yeah and i just i feel as though this is a very dominant conversation that needs to be happening that isn't happening and certainly right. needs to be happening within the church life after divorce or marriage struggles in general and yeah. it's just it's not happening and you and i have talked a lot about how when you were young before you were married you were never told that it was going to be hard to be married. You kind of saw it as this like mm-hmm. answer mm-hmm. to yeah. some of the things that you found difficult in your life. Yeah. Right. And so I know that you have that passion too to just educate young people yeah. who are wanting to get married yeah. and just kind of bringing them into how, um, yeah, it's going to be a struggle, but it's still beautiful and yeah. good. And well, and instead of you know, just like my passion is to, educate the young people and in, in not just I think that was my problem was people were just saying oh it's gonna be a struggle but it'll be okay mm. it's what God wants God loves marriage right. yeah. whereas I was like oblivious to what kind of struggle they even meant right or I, I but I think the problem with wh- how we're doing things for premarital um, counseling or education mm-hmm. is not so much the premarital education, but the postmarital education. Right. We can only tell someone so much about something they haven't experienced. Yeah. So, yes, premarital counseling should be happening, but they are going to be oblivious until they get into it. You can tell right. them to your blue in the face, yeah. but until you experience it. So, I think the counseling in my mind, mm-hmm. and I want to start somewhere with this with the church is developing a counseling process that happens for young marrieds for the year after they're married. Yeah. I think that there should be post-marital counseling and they should be held responsible by their pastor Mm. or by a counselor within the church or a wise couple within the church for the year after. And it Mm. should be mandatory. Just to provide a safe space for that discussion to open up some of those ways to talk about some things that are you know, me even misunderstood between the two of you, right? Because you're giving your example of you having this certain upbringing and your husband having the other or Mm -hmm. whatever, Mm -hmm. and then setting these crazy expectations on each other Mm -hmm. that you didn't even know were there. Yeah. Right. And probably still never talked about them, even still in your marriage. Yeah. No, I had no idea how to communicate about them. I had no idea how um i had no idea they would come up like my husband and i Mm -hmm. i remember one time we actually said to each other wow like we've talked about all the red flags Mm. there probably isn't going to be anything big that comes up for us (laughs) we literally said those words where that was just looking back it was mind-blowing that we even thought that was possible Mm -hmm. 
but um, I think that a lot of couples think that, oh, we're so in love and things are so good and they're so great right now. When we get married, we're going to be fine. Right. And it's like, um, no. First of all, Satan hates marriage. Yeah. Hates it. And yeah. wants to see it fail. Mm-hmm. And because you are making a covenant with your husband in front of God, mm-hmm. he will do anything he can to get yeah. his little hands in there and to ruin it and Mm. as we can see about 50 percent of the church and um, general population suffer from divorce yeah so but one thing i did want to say because a lot of people have this question for me Mm -hmm. is that um my husband and i did not rekindle our romance yeah um he ended up getting married yeah he is currently married and I actually have not heard from him about my letter to him. Mm. Um, There was a point where I did go to him and I told him that I believed God was asking us to give it a second chance and that I didn't want him to get married, Mm -hmm. um, at which, of course, he refused. (laughs) (laughs) Can you blame him? Yeah. But a lot of people ask me, oh, well, did like are your husband and you reunited? And Mm -hmm. um, we are not. Mm hmm. And so I have struggled with what that means and what God is asking me to do since then. Yeah. I have struggled with the Bible's definition of divorce Mm -hmm. and the Bible's um, requirements for remarriage. Right. And um, that's another huge passion of mine that Mm -hmm. is really a tender spot because a lot of the church does not believe... um, what they don't know what they believe yeah and they haven't studied those verses yeah and they, ha- they don't preach from those verses because they're very difficult to decipher yeah and and so that's just where i'm at i'm at the point where i am confused about what god is wanting me to do mm-hmm. and i am trying out the dating world mm-hmm. and i am just open to hearing from the Lord and to listen to his voice throughout that process. I am not closing off to the option of reconciliation with my husband. If situations, um, if we're brought to a situation where that is appropriate, right? I am not closed off to the, uh, um, option of dating and remarriage. Right. If God, reveals to me that that is his will Mm -hmm. and if i am convinced that the bible verses i'm reading say that that is appropriate um but Mm -hmm. i'm just keeping my i'm keeping open because i don't know what is required i don't know Mm -hmm. what god wants and i don't know um what he is personally asking me and so that's just where i'm at right now and i think that's almost where everyone needs to go in their story right because I mean, certainly there are clear boundaries for certain things mm-hmm. um, written in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But then I think God just calls us to seek him mm-hmm. in our discernment, right? Mm-hmm. And to ask him and lean on him and pray to him about what it is we need to be doing. Yeah. In Especially in these gray areas where there's kind of these rules around it, but you don't know if it's a cultural thing mm-hmm. or whatever in that time. Mm-hmm. Um and so, I mean, I'm sure there are people who think there's a, like a black and white kind yeah. of for a lot of categories. But yeah. for me, myself personally, I've been learning just more and more how there are gray areas yeah. everywhere. And I think God is just calling us into deeper relationship with him. Yeah. And that's, that's what our whole journeys are. That's what our journeys of life are. They are, um, 
God calling us and directing us to come closer to him and to communicate with him in order to know how to live our lives, in order to involve him in our lives. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, thanks, Katie, so much for sharing your story and being so vulnerable with us and letting me interview you. (laughs) Um, I just feel like you covered so many things that I didn't really have to ask a lot of questions. (laughs) And so I was trying to think of a few and I was like, no, she's covering all of this. I think you've thought about it um, really well. And I just appreciate your reflection on everything and your wisdom and all of that. And so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just want to encourage you to keep sharing your story and it's so powerful and um, your vulnerability is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, thank you. Thanks for your time and doing this. I love sitting down and having you to talk to about it because I know that you appreciate the story. Oh, I love it. Have some good encouragement. Mm. I do want to say that I am open to questions. Oh, yeah. So if anyone wants to ask me any questions about my story, um, feel free to either leave it on my Instagram account, which is Katie Smith Online. And then also there will be an email in the outro um, that happens right as as the episode ends. So please feel free to email me as well. I will be doing a mini me session in the next few weeks to answer any questions that do come up. And I would love to hear your comments or concerns or questions. And I will do the best I can to answer them. Yeah. So cheers to a good year of podcasts. Oh, yeah. Here's mine. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Lessons Learned Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged in your walk with the Lord. Feel free to send us an email with your stories or comments at LessonsLearnedPodcast at Outlook.com and pop over to iTunes to leave us a review. See you next time.